we're going through this one word series. And you have, or most of you have uh, a devotional book that hopefully you are reading. And every week we look at a word from the scriptures that pertains to our faith. And the word for this week is elders. And this is kind of in a mini-series uh, of words pertaining to relationships uh, in God's family. And so elders, and when I say elders, I'm not using the word in a general sense like we sometimes do to talk about older people. Uh, I'm talking about that formal office that we read about in the New Testament, that uh, official role that certain men were chosen uh, in, in which to serve, that is the sense in which we are talking about elders this morning. Now, you may or may not know this. If you've been coming here for very long, you probably do. But that is the, the desire of this church family, this body of believers, is to, as best we can, restore New Testament Christianity uh, in this day and age, in our time. We desire, our goal is to practice our faith as the earliest Christians did. And in some ways, we probably fall short of this, but that is what we're always striving for. That is the goal. That's what we're aiming toward. And this goal includes the organization of the New Testament church, how it was set up in terms of authority and leadership and structure. And we find plenty of examples in the New Testament about how the earliest Christian congregations operated and how leadership worked, and, and how all that played out. And we try to mimic that in our day. We know from reading the New Testament that the earliest Christian congregations had elders. And let me give you some examples here. So if you want to, grab your Bible, uh, or your phone, or your tablet, or however you access the Word of God, and look with me in these places. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Acts 14, 23. Here we find Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, taking the gospel far and wide, preaching Christ, establishing churches, congregations. And what do we see in Acts chapter 14 and verse 23? The writer of Acts shares this important detail with us. When they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them in every church. They committed them to the Lord with prayer and fasting. But we find here that everywhere Paul and Barnabas went, anytime they preached the gospel and established a new church in a new place, what did they do? They appointed elders. They chose mature men of the faith to lead that particular congregation. Now we find a similar passage in the book of Titus. So if you want to go a little deeper into the New Testament, a little later, and look in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 5, we see that Paul writes, this is why to Titus, this, this young man, this preacher, who had a very close relationship with Paul, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, on that island nation, so that you might put what remained into order. In other words, I got things started there. And I left you there to tie up the loose ends, to put everything in order, uh, to do some, put some fi finishing touches on the church to make sure everything is running smoothly. And what does that entail in Titus 1.5? Appoint elders. 
to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So not just in this place or that place, not just in some churches but not others, but Paul says, I directed you to appoint elders in every town and every local congregation that has been established. And the final verse I want to look at in this section here is Philippians 1.1, another letter of Paul. Listen to how Paul greets the church, God's people at Philippi. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, along with the overseers, which is another word for elder or shepherd or pastor. We have several words that, um, that are used in the New Testament to define this role. The overseers and the deacons. So Paul says, hello, saints, Christians. Hello, elders or overseers. Hello, servants, deacons. So we see some structure here in the early church. And that's what we, that's what we try to do here, to mimic the organization, to mimic how leadership looked in the early church. So we have elders, and we have deacons, and we're going to talk about deacons next week. And of course, we have the saints, the, the membership, the Christians. We, because the early church had elders, we have elders Now, I'm going to give you just a little bit of history. I like history. Some of you probably don't care a thing about it. It's not your thing. But I bet there's some people out there who are interested in in history. So, I did a little digging into the history of this congregation. You know, my history here only goes back 10 years. And that really is just a drop in the bucket for how long God's people have been gathering in this town. This congregation has been meeting since the 1880s, right here in Winchester. That's pretty remarkable. And I learned that the first two elders came along and began their service in the 1920s. And there were just two. And their names were Dr. John Grizzard and Frank Lynch. Not this Frank. I know he's pretty old, but... Not that old, not 1920s old. Uh, This was his granddaddy, along with Mike and Ben's grandfather, served as one of the first two elders uh, at this congregation. And so we have had elders serving continuously here in this place among these people uh, for close to 100 years. Now, in addition to the eight elders who are currently serving, I have also served under uh, Cowan Simmons, who passed away several years ago, T's dad, Laura Ann, his wife, and uh, Ben Lynch, who resigned just a few years ago, but who is with us this morning. Others who have served as elders are Brother Paul Trainer. I don't know if Brother Trainer is here today, but he, served, he has served as an elder here. Woodrow Rogers, his uh, wife Evelyn is here with us, Brother Wayne Sil- Silvertooth his wife Joyce, and then Pat Grammer, and I'm leaving many out, but I share all this with you to make the case, make the point that we have been blessed with generations of strong, godly elders in this place, and that is a blessing for which we should all be very thankful, because it's not the case uh, in every place and in every congregation. We are blessed to have many godly men who, has, who have served in this role over many years.
from back when the church met uptown to right here. So a basic question that I want to ask this morning as we reflect about elders is, why do we need elders? And I don't ask this in the sense of who needs them. I'm really asking this question. Uh, This is a very basic question. Why is it that God put this system in place uh, to exist in local churches? Why do we need elders? Why do we have them? Well, there are several several reasons that we could think of. First of all, you've got to have leadership. Anytime there's a nation or a community or an organization, you must have somebody or somebody's in charge. Every team has to have a captain. Every country has to have a president or a king. Uh, every organization has to have a CEO. And every church ought to have a plurality of elders. That is what the Bible says tells us uh, ought to be the case, because leadership is important. And without leadership, everything just sort of falls apart. And so this is common sense. God created us. God understands what happens when we try to form a community, and he knows we must have people uh, who oversee, uh, who shepherd over that community. God has decreed that elders lead his church. And I want to share with you Acts chapter 20. Verse 28, so that you can get a sense of the the weight of the responsibility that is laid on the shoulders of elders, and that has been placed there by God himself. I love Acts chapter 20, because Paul is bidding farewell to the Ephesian elders, to the elders at the church at Ephesus, a group that was near and dear to his heart. He's heading back to Jerusalem. Neither party thinks that they will see the other again. And so this is a tearful goodbye. And some of Paul's departing words to this group of elders are these in verse 28, chapter 20. He says, pay careful attention to yourself, to your character. Because you better believe that Satan, of course, wants to take down any Christian, anybody who's confessed the name of Christ, who said, I believe Christ is Lord, who has decided to live in devotion to him, Satan wants to take you out. He wants to trip you up. He wants to lead you astray. You better believe Satan wants to get at elders. You better believe that elders, maybe more than any other Christian, have a giant target on their back. But Satan's out to get them. And I've seen it happen in other places. And I bet you've seen it happen too. Elders who have been taken down by the devil. And so what does Paul say to these elders? Please, take care of yourself. Make sure you are right with the Lord. Look out for your soul. Watch out. Pay careful attention to yourselves, to your character. Make sure you're protecting yourself against the devil. And pay careful attention, not just to yourselves, but to the flock over which you shepherd. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers over this flock to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. God has placed elders in, in, a, in an extremely important role, and that is understating it. God has made elders to oversee and to shepherd the church that he purchased by the blood of his own son. What a blessing, what a privilege, what a responsibility. This is how leadership is to work in the church, elders. 
over every local congregation. And it is a big job. Another reason why we need elders is we need examples of how to live out our faith on a day-to-day basis. Peter, an elder himself, the Apostle Peter, later in his life became an elder. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, he says that elders are supposed to be examples to the flock. And we need men and women, of course, to be examples in the faith. We need somebody to take the principles of Scripture and encase them with flesh and blood. We need to see living, breathing Christians actually following through with the commandments that we find in the New Testament. I mean, we need elders who balance home life and job along with their faith so that we can look to them and we can see how it's done. And that is the high calling of our elders. They are to be the examples for us in all things so that we can look to them and we can imitate them. And by imitating them, we can imitate our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And so that's another reason why elders are important, because we need men in our midst who can show us what it looks like to live a devoted Christian life. But there's one big reason that we need elders, and this is the one that I I want us to really focus on. We, the Christians, the saints, we need to learn how to submit. We need to learn submission. And, ooh, we bristle at that term. We don't like it. We'd rather it not be in our vocabulary. We're not good with authority. We don't like yielding to the will of somebody else. But the Scriptures talk a lot about the importance of submission. What does Paul say in Ephesians that we're supposed to do? In Ephesians 5.21, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he talks about mutual submission. But we're also called to submit to leadership. Citizens to government, that's 1 Peter 2. Wives to the spiritual leadership of their husbands, that's Ephesians 5. Children are to honor their parents and obey them, Ephesians 6. And Christians are to be subject to their elders, 1 Peter 5, 5. It's important for us to learn to submit to each other and to leadership. Why? Well, submission in general and submission in particular to the leadership of our elders, trains us to submit to Christ's leadership. It is a practice field. It is a proving ground. It's how we learn to submit to the will of God. By submitting to other people, to human leadership. And what's more, an even stronger point should be made. In a way, submitting to our elders is submitting to Christ. Because we are submitting to this God-ordained way of arranging church leadership. And as they submit to Christ, we ought to submit to them. God chose them for this role, in a sense. God has selected them. God had a hand in placing them in this position. And by honoring them, we are honoring the teachings of God. We are honoring the under-shepherds of Christ that He's put in place to lead His flock. We are honoring Christ. We are submitting to Christ. We submit to them. Submission. It's very important for us to learn so that we can then know how to submit to our Lord. I want to close this morning with some really important action steps as we think about elders. And these are just some random thoughts that I had this past week in uh, 
reflecting on the importance of elders. Let me first talk to those who may be here. Maybe you've been coming for a while um, and you haven't ever expressed your desire to, well, we call it place membership. We've got a lot of different names for it and people have questions about it, but we say place membership or identify with the local church or work and worship under the elders. There's a lot of different terms for it, but I believe that one of the reasons that is so important of stating your desire to join a local church family is because of the leadership of elders. The leadership of elders is why local church membership is so important. And so if you've been kind of drifting in and out through the years and you've never really made a commitment to be a part of this church family, if you've never met with the elders in order to place membership, then I would... I would strongly encourage you to do that. Because one of the functions of elders that we read about in the Scriptures, in Hebrews 13, 17, is they are to watch over the souls of those who are in their flock. And if you are not in a flock, if you don't belong to this local congregation or any local congregation, you just sort of drift from here to there, then I have a, I have a pretty big question for you. Who is watching over your soul? You need somebody, you need a mature believer, a man in the faith, an elder to watch over your soul. And if you don't officially belong to any local church, then nobody's really doing that for you. Listen, I need somebody to watch over my soul. I need somebody to hold me accountable. I need somebody to lovingly correct me when I go astray. I need to belong to a local congregation. I need to be a part of a church family that is ruled and overseen and shepherded by elders. And so if you're not, then I would encourage you to take the steps that are necessary in order to do that. And if you have questions about that, just go see one of the elders or come see me and we can start a conversation. Now, let me also talk to young men. And I'm casting the net pretty wide here. When I say young men, I'm talking about men my age I'm talking to men younger. I'm talking to men who are a little older than me. Let me also talk to parents of boys. Let me talk to Sunday school teachers. There is no more important role than elders. And sometimes I'm afraid that we are not doing everything we can to train up the next generation of boys and young men to be elders. It's our job to create an atmosphere in which we are nurturing future elders in this church. The future elders of this congregation, some of them may not be here this morning, but some of them are here and they're sitting in our pews and some of them have coloring books out and some of them are old enough to participate in the worship. We have future elders in our midst. Are we, are we doing everything we can to train them to be elders? Are we talking to them about the high calling of the eldership? Are we saying to them, not only can you grow up to be this or that, and, and you, know, you can pick whatever field or occupation or, or livelihood you want to go into, but in addition to that, let me encourage you to continue maturing in your faith so that someday you can serve as an elder of the Lord's church. That's what we should be communicating to our boys. I think about what a former president said, James Garfield, who served this nation as president, but I've mentioned this before. Interestingly, 
He was a member of Churches of Christ, and he actually served as an elder. But before he moved to Washington, D.C., he, he felt he needed to relinquish that role. And this is what he said, I resigned the highest office in the land to become president of the United States. I resigned the highest office, serving as an elder of the Lord's church, I'm, de- I'm being demoted president. And we need our young men to be aspiring to lead in this role. Now, you don't have to grow up and lead in this role. But we need to be communicating to our young men, our boys, that it is an honor and a privilege and a blessing to serve as an elder of the Lord's church. I think about that song. I thought about singing it. But I know we don't like song leaders who preach or preachers who lead singing. So I'm going to refrain. But that song, Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task. Rise up and make her great. Make the church great by aspiring to lead and to serve as an elder. That's what we need to be communicating to our, to our boys and our young men. Now, the next thing I want to say is to everybody here, no matter who you are, by the power vested in me, which is not very much, I hereby proclaim this day Elder Appreciation Day. Let it be. Let it be so. Okay? What is today? June the 4th? This is Elder Appreciation Day. This is a special holiday. June 4th, 2017. So what does that mean? Our elders gather out in the lobby. And as you leave, you will probably, because they don't like anybody to escape uh, their grasp, (laughs) you will probably be met by at least one elder unless you have found some secret exit, some special way to escape this building, you'll be met with an elder. I don't know what you normally say to this elder, but today here's what I want you to say. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being a shepherd of this flock. And you might even want to take it a step further and write them a thank you note this next week. Express your appreciation for them and for the important role that they, pre- that they play. Excuse me. And lastly, I want to challenge you to pray for our elders. Pray for your elders. This week, by name, there are eight of them. Their names, if you don't know them, are on the front of your bulletin. Take a bulletin as you leave. Take it home with you. Pray for them by name every day this week. And what I want to do this morning, and we did this not very long ago, but can we pray too much for our elders? I don't think so. So what I want to do is ask our elders to come up here, and as we close, I'd like to lead a special prayer for them. So would our eight elders come and stand before us? And I'd like to say a prayer for them. As we wrap things up. And I waited until they stood so that I could list them and not leave one out. I was afraid if I got to listing that I would leave one out. And then I'd be in big trouble. Mike and Mike and Josh and Dick and Grady and... What's what's your name again? Oren and Frank and T. Simmons. Would you pray with me as we lift up these men? Father, we bow before you as humbly as we know how. We're honored to be called your children by your love and grace and mercy. 
thank you for giving us such a wonderful church family. We receive so much encouragement and support from the people seated here this morning. Help us to fulfill our calling to be your church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Help us to care for the poor. Help us to reach out to the lost. Help the preaching of Jesus to be on our lips and in our every action as we go throughout this week. Father, one of the greatest blessings we enjoy here is good, godly shepherds. Thank you for them. Protect them from evil, from the temptation of the evil one. May they go forth in wisdom, in compassion, in love, in patience, with a commitment to the truth of your word so that this church can carry on into the future and be a shining light for the people of this community. Watch over them. Bless them with good health. Give them wisdom. Give them everything that they need in order to continue being overseers, pastors, shepherds over this special flock of your people. I I pray your greatest blessing be upon them. And it's in your son's name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Thank you all. This morning, we've talked some about submission, and maybe it's time for you to submit to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a common belief in our culture today that we get to, or we have the capacity to create our own moral code, that we can figure out on our own what is best for us, what is right or wrong for our various lives. That is a lie. We can't. On our own, we must submit to a higher authority in order to know how to live our lives and most importantly, how to receive eternal life. We can only get direction, true direction for our lives and direction into life forever through Jesus Christ. And today I'm asking if there's anybody who hasn't been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, listen, all you need to know is that you need a Savior, that Christ is your Savior, that He died for your sins on the cross, and that you desire to acknowledge that and to live for Him, that you know that you can only receive forgiveness through Him. That's what you need to know, to be baptized into Jesus and to start your journey of discipleship this morning. I know we've got people out there who haven't made that decision. And this morning is your time. Or if you need prayers for any reason, this is also a time for you to come and ask for those. Would you do that as we stand and sing together?